Good morning. It's a tough one. We do a sports show. We do a business show called Nothing Personal. We're live five days a week. So many things go on in the world that require comment, that make me stay up all night, that make me think that I know people may not be coming here to think about because you want to just talk about the start of the MLB season, the start of football season coming up, talk about college basketball, the tournament, what's going on in South Florida, Lamar Jackson, on and on and on. And every once in a while, you're stuck with a few minutes because I can't let it pass and I can't let you let it pass. And I will not be political with you. I'm not going to make a call for you to vote. I'm not going to ask you to explain to me the Second Amendment. I'm not going to talk about guns. I'm going to talk about children. And I'm going to talk about something that is happening in Nashville right now. The school shooting that took place, we're numb to school shootings. They get announced every other day, maybe over 100 of them already, shootings, mass killings. Every once in a while, we take a look at what people are tweeting, what people are saying, the usual thoughts and prayers. Every team, every show, whether it's a sports show or a business show or a major league team or a minor league team, they meet and they say, how do we address this? The Bachelor goes live last night and they addressed it in the beginning with a few words of thoughts and prayers. It's a no-win situation for anyone who has a microphone because you can't be looked at someone who's ignoring it, even if your fan base doesn't want to hear it anymore. And you can't be looked at as someone who's spending too much time on it because your fan base wants you to talk about what you are supposed to talk about. But I'm not sure that that's how it's supposed to be at all. What happened in Nashville is there's somebody, a woman, a transgender woman who shot her way into a school and killed three kids, three adults, including the head of school, a janitor, a teacher, three nine-year-olds are dead today. She ended up getting killed. And one of the responses has been, well, it's obvious because she's transgender, it's not the guns. That was Marjorie Taylor Greene, who somebody listening to this show helped vote into office. And I go back to what I said a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. We get what we give. We don't pay attention to who we vote in. We don't pay attention to whether we vote or not. We don't understand what people do once they're in office because we don't follow up. We don't think it's going to impact us. And then before you know it, it impacts you. But again, nothing's going to change because until it's your school, until it's your child, until you know somebody with one degree of separation, it's like contagion. Eventually, everyone gets impacted by the same thing. And that's when change is made. Do you have to wait for the last of us? Do you have to wait for a worldwide pandemic that isn't COVID that's a thousand times worse and say, wow, I guess we ought to pay attention. That's human nature doesn't impact me. I'm going to be sad about it. I'm going to look at it and then I'm going to look away and I'm going to pretend that my head is in the sand and I'm good until the next time I have to peek up and breathe like a whale surfacing to get air, look around and go right back down like a submarine. I'm not blaming the people in the Nashville non-emergency unit who got a phone call about a woman who was suicidal and wasn't able to deal with it for seven minutes or even a few hours to go to the house. I'm not blaming the poor girl who got a text from the shooter saying, I'm about to die and you're going to hear about it on the news. 
what do you do if you're a school? Are we just going to do metal detectors? Are we just going to put bulletproof glass? Are we going to arm the teachers? That'll help everything. Are we going to deal with mental illness? Are we going to figure out a way not to put people into a corner and make them feel so uncomfortable with who they are and what they are that they have no choice but to lash out in a way that is so hurtful and painful to others? And I am not in any way glorifying the assailant here. I'm sickened that the assailant was allowed to access guns. I'm sickened that the assailant felt there was nowhere else to turn other than to not just kill herself or themselves, but to go on a shooting spree and kill innocent kids from a school that she used to go to, who did nothing to her at all, ever. And now those kids, are their lives are over and those families are ruined, I promise you, forever forever, including any surviving siblings. All leagues are getting together. The Nashville Predators got together and made a statement. We do this every freaking time. We do. Because we feel that we're public facing. We have no choice but to stand up in a button down way and appeal to your emotional side, but making you realize that we're an entertainment company and the show must go on. Because believe me, the show always goes on. The show is called humanity. Humanity will always go on. We will always find a way to rationalize bad behavior, rationalize laws that are not properly focused on where they should be, rationalize what the impact is of certain things that people do or say or think. But we rationalize because that is the defense mechanism that we each have in order to function. I get it. I do it also, and so do you. So it's not useful to say it stops today. When will it end? How can we stand another shooting? I am full of thoughts and prayers. It's done. Why don't we just recognize the way our human condition is and then try to change things that can result from the way the human condition is? How about that? You wanna know why I'm going after guns? It's because if that woman didn't have a gun, and don't at me if you're a Second Amendment and you say, uh, they're taking away my right to protect myself. Don't talk to me about that. Why don't you instead talk to me about a different subject? Talk to me about what we can do in order to be inclusive. And this is not me standing on some liberal platform to tell you that I'm in favor of X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C. I've said this on Nothing Personal so many different times. What does it matter to you if someone is straight or gay or transgender or non-binary or they're black or white or brown or purple or pink? What does it matter? You feel as though that you can't get a job. You feel as though that you can't get a reservation or restaurant. You feel as though that you're not safe. You are safe. You don't have opportunities. You do have opportunities. You used to have more opportunities. Now you have fewer opportunities. What does it matter? When people are so disenfranchised, this is not me trying to change homelessness or cure poverty or hunger or homelessness or the way in a society that I believe in a society, there are certain things that are because this is a society. But things that can actually have measurable results when certain actions are taken and we don't do it, the shame is on us. The blood is on our hands. All I'm asking is for you to be tolerant. What can be the difficulty? 
I've never been able to speak to one conservative person. I've never sat in front of Marjorie Taylor Greene, not one time. I've sat in front of many politicians who are very, very conservative. Many people who are very, very conservative. Many people who are very, very liberal. And I smile about the horseshoe situation where they're not that far apart. And I always ask the same thing. Explain to me how it impacts your right to live and to make money. I put business into it every time. Tell me how it impacts your life or your ability to give a good life to your family and friends or those you want to give a good life to. I've never gotten one answer. People who can't stand that there's same-sex marriage, it should be illegal. People who are complaining that transgender people who are taking hormones are more apt to be mentally ill and therefore have guns. Okay, if that's going to be your position, how can it not be your position to have waiting periods? How can it not be your position to not have automatic weapons? You can't say one thing on one side of your mind and one thing on the other. And the show will go on. We'll do nothing personal today. We're going to talk about sports and business. People will wake up tomorrow and there'll be games. You'll go about your business and your job. The only people who aren't going about their day in a normal way today are the people whose nine-year-olds are dead or the people whose parents died yesterday. And that's only the deaths that happen in Nashville that are on the news. And for those who think it can't touch me, the Covenant School is an expensive private school in a good neighborhood where it would not occur to anyone that there could be a danger. And if there's a danger there, there's a danger in your backyard. And if there's a danger in your backyard, it's a matter of time until it's inside your family house circle. Then you're going to change? Maybe. So maybe that's what's required is for every single person to be impacted by a shooting. I don't know what to say to the other kids in that class who survived. I don't know what to say to the families of the kids who lost their child because there is nothing I can say that will make them feel better. There's nothing I can say that will make the trauma disappear. This is now their lifelong lot in life where they will be dealing with this from this day forward because this woman did not want to die alone. She said, I'm going to die by becoming famous or infamous and I'm going to murder people. In conclusion, don't make this the conclusion. Think to yourself, what can you do? And we all feel hopeless. We tried to do a project with nothing personal, tried to put programs together to help people vote so they'd understand who they're voting for. And the frustrating part was that people vote for people, they know what they stand for, they still vote for them, and then are questioning what happens when certain laws are not changed or certain laws or certain ways of thinking start being pervasive in a society. So now I'm trying the different tack. And the different tack is this. How about if you say to yourself that starting today, I am going to be 100% a subscriber of the following way of life. And you've heard it on Nothing Personal before, you're gonna hear it again. Live and let live. When we come back, we are gonna to continue to talk about sports while keeping people in Nashville in our mind because today is day one of what will be an eternity of pain.
it's very difficult when you are in the business, when you're on TV, when you're doing a podcast to figure out transitions, but transition we shall. I wanna talk about Lamar Jackson here on Nothing Personal. The word of the day for Lamar is a good one because Lamar Jackson wrote a note and he put it, that's how people are doing it. They're not doing press releases and, and, and doing it through PR firms anymore. They're going to the notes app on their phone. They're writing out something and then tweeting it or Instagramming it, et cetera. And I wanted to mention that Lamar Jackson has a plan and I like this plan. He wanted to make sure that nobody's talking about him in the third person. He doesn't have an agent speaking for him or an agent negotiating for him. He doesn't have anyone talking about what his state of mind is. So instead, he gave us a little insight into what he's thinking, which is supposed to make Ravens fan feel happy. So my word of the day before the shooting was going to be flock because he referred to the flock nation, get it, Ravens. I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore flock nation and the entire state of Maryland. The epiphany yesterday is that Lamar Jackson actually made a trade demand prior five days to being tagged with the non-exclusive franchise tag. And now it makes perfect sense what Ken Francis was doing. That's the guy who's the business partner with Lamar Jackson, that phenomenal business of portable mobile gyms, calling up other teams. Hey man, you're a rock star. Any chance you wanna trade for Lamar? So when Lamar Jackson submitted the trade demand to the Baltimore Ravens five days before the non-exclusive trade uh, franchise tag, the Ravens likely said to Lamar Jackson, I got an idea. Go ahead and call 31 teams. I'm in. Let me know what you get back. So Lamar can't call everybody. That's a lot of phone calls. He's busy. He's got stuff to do. He's got a season to prepare for. So it's not shocking he'd have someone else call. Hey, any idea who could possibly trade for me? You interested? The Ravens smartly ignored his trade demand and signed him to the non-exclusive franchise tag. So Lamar says, hey, I wanna first thank you all for the love and support you consistently show toward me. All of you are amazing and I appreciate you all so much. I love speaking in 100% platitudes. I assure you that not every Ravens fan is feeling that way. He then says on March 2nd, I requested a trade, but the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. And any and everyone that's met me or been around me know I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. I had to make a business decision. Hell yeah. Lamar Jackson and the NFL have created, or Lamar Jackson lives in a system that the NFL created, that the owners approved, that the players union approved. And this system includes two possible years of being franchise tagged where you are paid in the top of your position. So Lamar Jackson with his non-exclusive tag, if he's with the Ravens, gets a minimum of $32 million, still eligible to sign a long-term deal, or he can go get an offer sheet from someone else that he will automatically get because either the Ravens match it or the team who signs him to the offer sheet gets him. This is the system. This was agreed. This was voted on, period. So explain to me why you think the Ravens have not been interested in understanding or meeting Lamar Jackson's value. That's a Tuesday in sports. 
every player I ever negotiated with said the same thing. You don't understand my value. Every time I negotiate, I say to the other side, you are not properly identifying my value to you. As a team president, I always had the same answer. I agree. There is a chance that we are not together and aligned with understanding what your value is to the team. But that doesn't matter because we're the ones signing you. If you disagree with the value that we are assigning to you, then you don't have to play for us. That is the absolute beauty of a free market. If you do not agree with the value that you have been assigned in a free market, then you are free to do something else. Lamar Jackson is in a market where he is restricted in terms of free agency, two years away from being unrestricted, but one minute away from being able to assert his freedom by finding a different job. He could go to the USFL, the XFL. He could change sports. He could go into business. He could sell gyms full-time. There is nowhere that it is written anywhere that two sides have to agree on a value when you are negotiating something in business. Nowhere. There are rules on the fringes. The rules on the fringes talk about collusion. They talk about antitrust. They talk about what companies can do in order to ensure a free market. What individuals can do to take advantage of the existence of a free market. But it does not guarantee if you want to work at a certain investment bank and you value yourself at a million dollars a year and that investment bank says no, you can go to another investment bank and they can say, we value you at half a million dollars and you can say, I don't believe that either. And then you can decide to go to school or you can decide to work in retail or you can decide to try to make a sports team or you can travel around the world. That's the freedom that so many people died for. You don't have the right to tell your employer what your value is. It has to be a meeting of the minds. That's what a contract is. In football and in other sports during a collective bargaining negotiation, you can actually, you can make a rule that dictates what happens when there is not meeting of the minds. It's called arbitration in baseball. It's called franchise tagging in football, where the dollar amount of the payroll of the salary is determined by what other people in the same position are making in your market. You don't go out and compare yourself to USFL quarterbacks or XFL quarterbacks or college quarterbacks with NILs. You get paid according to the top paid quarterbacks in the league. What could be more fair than that? How can you think that we are not assigning a value to you? We may not be meeting in the middle or have a meeting of the minds, but we certainly have had a value assigned to you. The Baltimore Ravens are in a tough situation. They have to trot out John Harbaugh. Is it John or Jim, Coca? I'm totally blanking right now and I get it wrong. John, thank you. They have to trot out John Harbaugh. Do you want to wipe that? All right, I, I, hear, I heard that. All right, here we go, ready? We're live, you know, it's Tuesday, five days a week. All right, whatever, four, eight, six, nine. The Ravens are in a tough position because they have to trot out John Harbaugh. There's owners meetings going on in Phoenix. We discussed them quite a bit yesterday. John Harbaugh stands up and he says, listen, 
this is an ongoing process. All right, no need for you to have said that. It's clear since he hasn't signed the tag, he hasn't been traded, and you haven't extended him. Clearly, it's ongoing because there's no resolution. Two, I'm following it very closely. Fantastic. <laughs> I believe that John Harbaugh has way more information than the average Joe, but that's just me. Next, it's going to work itself out. Believe me. If we're playing football next year and Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, we're all going to be happy. He's going to be fired up to play. He's going to be happy to be out there. I feel like he's got pom-poms when he's doing this. I feel like he's rolling his eyes while he's saying this. You think that John Harbaugh is happy with what Lamar Jackson is doing right now, the things he's saying, the way he's acting, or do you think he's upset at his own team president? The guy's name is Sashi Brown. The best he could come up with as a quote is, we love Lamar. We're committed to getting something done. That's page six, paragraph two of the president's playbook. We love you, man. And we're committed. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to pay you what you want to be paid. I'm not sure that we're ever going to have an agreement on what you're worth, but you have no idea how committed we are. That is like Robert Kraft walking into the strip mall saying, I am committed to my relationship. Maybe you are, maybe you're not but evidence would certainly make me sway one way or the other. You can say that you're committed to something, but actions speak louder than words. You can work for a company who's committed to you. You can work for a company that's not committed to you. You can play for a team that cares about you. You can play for a team that doesn't care about you. And you either find your own self-motivation or you disappear into the ether, into the metaverse. I don't know what's gonna happen with Lamar Jackson. But I do know one thing that's not going to happen. I'm going to do a, a special secret, separate wait to see here, Coca. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we always revisit it. We keep a document. Robert Kraft at the owner's meeting said that he got a text from Meek Mill. Meek Mill is a, what is he, a rapper, Coca? Texting, I'm trying to picture him texting Robert Kraft. And he said, hey. I got to tell you, I spoke to Lamar. He wants to be a patriot. <laughs> okay, here is my wait to see. An extra. Lamar Jackson is not going to get an offer sheet from the New England Patriots, and he will not, even if he does get one, play for the New England Patriots. Not happening in 2024. Teams are trying to figure out where they want to fit Lamar Jackson in. There's no collusion, I assure you, but they're trying to decide how far under Deshaun Watson will he go. The $230 million guaranteed. Kyler Murray only got like $100 million guaranteed at signing. Russell Wilson, that nightmare trade-in extension, got like $142 million. The Baltimore Colts, God, they're not the Baltimore Colts, Coca. The Indianapolis Colts, their GM came out and talked about Lamar Jackson and said, anytime a special player is available, speaking about Lamar, and he is, you got to do the work. I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at, what we're doing or what we might do, but he's a really special player. You never know. Do you think Lamar Jackson has a different demand depending on which team it is? Do you think when Chris Ballard calls up and talks to Lamar and says, hey, Lamar, we don't want to sign you to an offer sheet until we think that uh, it's going to make sense and you're going to accept it. Are you willing to take under Deshaun Watson? Are you willing to take less money than you demanded from the Ravens? Just give me an idea. You tell me. You think that 
Chris Ballard like calls Jim Ursay and says, hey, let's make an offer. Let's really piss off the rest of the owners, way more so than we already do. And let's offer Lamar Jackson $230.01 million, and let's make him a cult. Sorry, Gardner, but we're going to make him a cult. It's completely ridiculous. Of course, Jim Ursay is not going to do that to the Ravens, no matter what Jim Ursay or the Ursay family is like. Many of you may not know the provenance of the Ursays and National Football League, but do some Googling. I don't know if you remember a team called the Baltimore Colts, which I was referring to. Do you remember when they moved to Indianapolis? Do you remember who did that? Anybody? Guess what? It was Robert Ursay. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool if he got Baltimore's quarterback. Now was one little tiny further F you to, nah, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's not going to the Colts. He's not going to the Patriots. He's going to be a Raven. This is all negotiating. Everything Lamar Jackson said, everything. It's just a negotiation. So everybody keep calm. Don't put your heads back in the sand because too much other bad stuff happens when you do, but just know you're going to be fine. And if not, then maybe we all need some therapy. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the best shows about therapy I've ever seen. It's called Shrinking. And then we're going to do a little segment on Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to turn the lights out for that segment because I want to do it in the dark. I'm really not because I can't reach the lights from here. But give me a break, Aaron. The whole thing is such so ridiculous. Stay with us. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Still no metal art commercials? What are they doing? Are they not monetizing the YouTube? Can we start monetizing it? Please tell your friends about nothing personal if you're listening to this. Thank you. We are skyrocketing up the rankings because of you. Our listenership has increased tremendously since we moved to Metal Arc, and we just did a few days ago. I think today's our second or third day. It's supposed to be our second day. could be our fourth day. I'm not positive. Tell your friends about nothing personal. We're not in the dinghy anymore. We are driving the damn ship from the bridge. I want to say something about Brett Goldstein right now and Bill Lawrence and Jason Siegel and Neil Goldman and the other writers and creators of a series on Apple TV Plus called Tricking. Don't believe any of the reviews that say you're trying to be Ted Lasso and you're not. Shrinking is a show that just finished its first season about a man who lost his wife, who has a daughter in high school. He's a therapist in a program with Harrison Ford, by the way, trying to figure out how to navigate 
the absolutely impenetrable forest of parenthood when there is trauma and tragedy. The difficulties, the humor, the mistakes, the pain, it is so perfectly captured by the writers. Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent and Ted Lasso, this is not just another pretty face who growls. This is someone who is a writer, a creator. He created, along with Bill Lawrence, the show Shrinking, who's also one of the creators of Ted Lasso. But that doesn't mean that you should be caring, uh, comparing Shrinking to Ted Lasso. Two totally different shows. Jason Segal, the therapist, is not Ted Lasso, the displaced coach going to a new country. What shrinking is and so brilliantly conveys is how significantly difficult it is for anyone to deal with death, trauma, pain. And there's no roadmap. What applies to one person doesn't apply to another. There's no set way. There's no playbook. There's no rule book. We're all doing the best we can. The season finale was written by Neil Goldman. If you don't get emotional watching the season finale, uh, then you may just not be emotional. Because if I got emotional and I'm not emotional, that means it's good. Watch Shrinking, please. It's on Apple TV Plus. You will not be sorry. Thank you very much, Jason and Bill and Brett and Neil. All right, Aaron Rodgers. God, I wish I had longer arms. Come on, mom. Nope, can't reach it. Aaron Rodgers, guess what team he plays for? The Green Bay Packers. He is a Packer. Do we agree with that? Can we establish that? Can we stop talking about that? The New York Jets are in the worst possible position of any team. You had a player come out and say, oh yeah, I'm gonna play football in 24 and I'm gonna do it with the Jets. That's like me coming out and saying, hey, Nothing personal is going to be right next to Joe Rogan on Spotify behind a paywall, and I'm going to get $200 million guaranteed, and then I'm going to talk about whatever I want and offend half the people and not even be good at it, but yet not lose one person of an audience. I can say that. Hey, I'm going to go to the park right now. I'm going to go play basketball, and guess what? I'm going to be able to dunk the ball. Hey, I'm going to go see Bruce Springsteen in concert coming up, and guess what? I'm going to get on stage, and I'm going to play guitar. You can say whatever you want. Reality bites. Aaron Rodgers' reality is that he's a Packer. The New York Jets' reality is that they are trying to trade for a player where the Packers hold all the leverage, period. When you are in that situation, you've got to communicate with your coach and with your GM. You have got to give them talking points when you know they're going to be in front of the media. What do you think? that when the coaches get together for the annual coaches photo in Arizona, that the first question question asked of Robert Sala is not going to be, hey, what's your view of Aaron Rodgers? Or the GM, Joe Douglas, you don't think that that's gonna be the first question asked? What's your view? And the best the coach came up with was, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm confident that things are going to work out. Well, boy, do I feel good. I'm Zach Wilson, and I feel like, wow, this team has my back. I am super excited to be the quarterback for the New York Jets. And as a fan, I'm going to buy season tickets because I've got someone leading this team who doesn't hit the panic button. That's your threshold? That was what you workshopped that you wanted the coach to say? I got a better way. How about this? Of course, there's been a lot of talk about Aaron Rodgers wanting to be a Jet. But I coach the players who actually are Jets. 
and we are getting ready for a season and couldn't be more excited with the team that we currently have. If there are changes, I'll take them as they come, knowing that my front office makes all changes with the intent of making our team better. But I am very excited and ready to take the field with the team as currently constituted. And then stop. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. That means if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play for the Jets, then you're going to hit the panic button? Boy, that's a way to go into a season. What about the GM? What do you tell your GM to say? Here's what the GM did say. Obviously, we're not where we need to be yet, but I feel like we're in a good place. There's no hard deadline. There's not a ton of urgency from our standpoint, but we're very optimistic. I wonder if Wilson stopped his workout right when that happened. Or I wonder if the salespeople picked up the phone and said, hey, we got this in the bag. Aaron Rodgers is a jet. I told you Aaron Rodgers was going to be a jet. It's just a matter of when the Jets cave to the Packers' demands. But that doesn't mean that that's what your GM should be saying. Obviously, we're not where we need to be. Let's start with the obvious of the obvious. In a statement or when you're talking to the media, don't say obvious. When you're in an argument with someone, don't say obviously blank. Because if it's really obvious, then the other side knows it too. And then why do you need to repeat it? It goes without saying that the Jets are not where we need to be. If it goes without saying, don't freaking say it. I don't want my GM going out to my fan base and saying we're not where we need to be. I want my GM going out and saying my job is to put together the best possible team to win the most possible games, and that's what I work every day doing. I promise you that when the first ball is snapped and the first touchback is called to start the season, before you get bored and we go to another commercial, that the Jets are going to be a team that is going to compete to win a Super Bowl. That's my job. And furthermore, there is not one player who will be the difference between winning the Super Bowl or not making the playoffs. It is a collection of players that we are putting together here. And it is my job to put together the best collection of players to give ourselves the best chance to win, period. Stop giving the Packers more leverage. Stop making Aaron Rodgers feel he's more than he is. He's a 39-year-old ineffective quarterback who was really good a really long time ago. Not that long ago. He won back-to-back MVPs recently. But that said, stop giving him the power. When are people going to get sick of him? Aaron Rodgers and his narrative that no one contacted me with the Packers. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel wanted. And then the Packers come out and say, we tried to call you and you didn't call us back. Who do you really believe? I'm just curious. Do you believe Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show saying that the Packers were not direct with him about their intentions and where he fits into 2023? Or do you believe the front office when, when they saying, I really wanted to have conversations with Aaron to see how he would fit into our plans. Couldn't reach him. We had our end of season meetings and that was it. Quote, our inability to reach him or for him to respond in any way. I think at that point I had to do my job and kind of reach out to other teams and understand that a trade could be possible and see who was interested. Absolutely brilliant and totally true. We get contact numbers for players. We have their cell phones. 
We know where they are during the course of an offseason because we can follow them on Instagram. But there are players who do not respond to front office calls. Do I see a world in which Aaron Rodgers is one of those players? You're damn right I do. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who looks, and when he sees the phone call come in, boop, decline. Boop, don't respond. Boop, go to voicemail. And if I'm the Green Bay Packers at some point, like I was when I was team president, you say, that's enough. I'm not trying anymore. I'll have my manager do it. I try to go through other players, go through teammates. You think that you couldn't get a message to Aaron Rodgers through one of his teammates, old or new? Hey, listen, we really got to speak to Aaron. Just let me know. Is, did he change his number? Is he back with Danica? Is Shaleen not letting him answer the phone? Is he in the darkness? Like, is he on drugs? Just tell me something. Is he on another show? Just tell me, am I going to be able to speak to him? Because I want to tell him that he's going to be holding a clipboard because we're not trading him. This situation will resolve, I assure you. Nothing personal pick of the day. Thank God for the push. We've gotten totally screwed by line movements before from the time we give our pick to when the game starts. Cannot wait for baseball to start Thursday. Baseball picks coming and we are going to start crushing it. In the meantime, I had Nuggets minus five over the Sixers. I told you it mattered for MVP that Nikola would want to win this game badly and they won it by five. That's a push. We're 42 and 41. There's a lot going on in the playoff push now in the NHL and in the NBA. The Miami Heat are getting two and a half points in Toronto, and the Heat realize that uh, they are a very Jekyll and Hyde team, and they need to be Hyde tonight. I have no idea whether that reference is correct. I cannot remember whether the Jekyll was good or the Hyde was good, but let's just pretend the Hyde was good and the Jekyll was bad. It really doesn't matter. But I'm telling you that the Heat getting two and a half points, count me in. All right. You know, in baseball, during the World Baseball Classic, we had all these viral videos. And there were comments about the millions of people who were watching videos of walk-offs and home runs in the WBC and the World Series home runs were only getting a million views or half a million views or whatever the case was. I think more people are now watching and engaged in baseball because there's a video out there of JT Realmuto, a former player of ours, the guy who came up as a shortstop. Here's the video if you're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson watching this live. Craig Kimbrell got a ball violation. He's pitching right now for the Phillies. And then JT Ralamuto, they want a new ball. So he puts his glove back. Watch that. I've seen, oh, I've watched JT Ralamuto put his glove back to the umpire a thousand times. That's what he does. Go look at the videotape. When you put your catcher's glove back toward the umpire, you are expecting the umpire to drop the ball in the glove. You then transfer to your hand and throw it to the pitcher. There are some umpires who, when you put your glove back to get a ball, they choose to throw it back to the pitcher themselves. In that case, you take your glove back to the ready position because your pitcher now has the next game ball. That's a Tuesday. It happens 10 times during a game. For whatever reason, this umpire got offended by JT putting his glove back and then moving it back toward the front. And then the umpire dropped the ball where he thought the glove was. The ball fell to the ground. JT got, look, he dropped the ball and then gets ejected. Is it possible that JT said something here? Yeah, he's like, Hey, sorry about that. A miscommunication between an umpire and a catcher about who's got the ball. They laugh about those. I've seen it. This is an umpire who is a triple A umpire. 
This is an umpire who is a fill-in umpire. Little known facts here, Normie. Umpire crews are put together to start a season and they travel from series to series. Did you know that umpires get vacation during the course of a regular season? It always pissed me off actually, because my view is there's off season, but the truth is teachers have a summer and they still get spring break and Christmas break. So I guess I get it. So umpires get vacation during the course of a season and therefore you need fill in like a substitute teacher umpire. The substitute teacher umpires come from AAA. They get called up, they get put into a crew, they fill in and then they leave when the regular umpires are done with their vacation. This is an umpire who had called games since 2020 as a fill-in. He's not a major league umpire, but he's let's say called 40 games. There is now that video that you just watched that has millions and millions of views. So here's what's happening right now inside Major League Baseball. Dan Hallam calls up Michael Hill, who is executive in charge of on-field operations, former president of baseball operations for the Marlins, worked with him for 15 years. Hey, uh, Mike, can you please take care of this? Like right now? So Mike has to do several things. One, he has to call the umpires union. Two, he has to call a specific umpire. Three, he's got to meet with the umpires. And four, he's got to look at the arrangement, look at the, what's the thing called, Coca? Oh my God, the the sheet where you're, the different assignments where you um, know where the umpires are going to be. I, I can't even, I can't even. Is this Friday? Clear the cobwebs. It's a piece of paper and a document that shows different umpire assignments. He looks at which umpires are the call-up umpires, the replacement umpires, and that umpire is off the list. So my second wait to see of the day is the umpire who ejected JT Ralamuto, and we'll watch for it all season long, but we will claim this wait to see either as a victory or a loss. The loss comes if he umpires a major league game this year. The victory is if at the end of the regular season, he has not umped a single major league game. The umpire's name is Rosenberg. He will not, wait to see, he will not ump a major league game this year. JT Ralamuto is one of the best people in all of baseball. One of the many people, not all, but one of the many people I miss about running a team. There is no chance that he did anything to show up Randy Rosenberg. He did nothing but try to get the next game ball. Okay, you know, if you're gonna have a rule in basketball, when you're dealing with umpires and referees, there's this thing that the NBA did and we talked about it yesterday and I understand exactly why it's an issue. Luca getting these technical fouls and we said that Luca is gonna be suspended for last night's game against Indiana because he got his 16th technical foul. Do you think that players are aware that every time they get a technical foul, that it's gonna be reviewed by the NBA league office and that the league office has the ability to rescind the technical foul. Can you imagine just for a second, if Major League Baseball could look at the tape and rescind JT Realmuto's ejection? Would that ever happen in a million years? Have you ever seen it? No, you have to study it, you have to interview the people involved and then you can go back and you can say, hey, we shouldn't have fined you, but you can't give him another at bat. You can't have him up with a man on first and second and one out when the backup catcher is now hitting and it was going to be JT because he got ejected. 
And I know I'm not saying that happened in the spring training game, but that's what happens in ejections in baseball. Or you can't go back when a player gets ejected from a game in basketball and say, oh, he shouldn't have been ejected. Let's replay the game because that player would have played meaningful minutes. It's completely absurd to me that the NBA can rescind technical fouls. Do you think it's a coincidence that they rescinded Luka's 16th technical foul and therefore allowing him to play against Indiana? I'm just curious whether or not you think that they did a review. They interviewed everyone and they said, wow, it turns out he didn't swear at anybody. It turns out he didn't do anything to show up the referee. It turns out he shouldn't have been ejected. It's completely ridiculous. But the update is that he got to play with Kyrie Irving last night. And on top of that, they crushed. People are going to say that that's it. That's what I would do. I'd go into the locker room immediately and say, all right, guys, let's forget about everything that's happened. Our playoffs started today. We are in the play-in tournament starting right now as we end the regular season. Let's start winning every game. Hey, Mark Cuban, can I borrow your towel? That's it for Luca. What a strange he said, she said. Okay, I wanted to, before we end, we've got another minute or so of this show. I wanted to finish where I started and make sure for those who may have come late or left early, although our retention is really quite good, Coca. Thank you to all the audience for doing that. You're all listening to the whole show and I don't take that for granted. I hope that over these last 45 minutes, you've been able to take away two things. One, is that there are people with a microphone who have the ability to be entertaining and to be educational as it relates to sports and business on the field, off the field, and things that are happening that are not sports related that do impact our lives. Sports is entertainment, but sometimes the real world is going to get in the way. And if we don't acknowledge it, that means that we will have no frame of reference to enjoy the entertainment when it comes. To feel the sadness and the pain to feel the empathy that we feel to the people of Nashville, to the families of the victims, to all the people impacted by the tragic shooting that happened. To not allow yourself to feel it, to not allow yourself to understand what can change, what can be better. That's robbing you of the opportunity for all the parts of life that you can enjoy, for all the times you can be entertained. So as you leave today, Think about what it feels like to enjoy shows, to enjoy sports, and think about what it feels like to have that robbed from you. And ask yourself whether that trade is worth the intolerance that so many people have in their heart. Because to me, it's not. I'll see everyone tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.